Even better than I was the yeah. last time, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. We back. I'm And we back, 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 and we back. And we back. Hello, and welcome to One on One. My name is Steven Sloan, and I am the proud fantasy owner of both starting Cleveland Browns wideouts. And joining me live from the nation's capital, my very own brother Mick. How you doing, bro, bro? Again. There's absolutely no way that you won't horribly regret having two cleveland browns receivers on your team uh except for you mean for the fact that they're both gonna have 1500 yards i'm not gonna lie man i'm in on Corey coleman and terrell Pryor, professional football wideouts i mean you gotta live your truth maybe maybe lebron turned the entire city's karma around i think that's right i think he turned them into winners I think he, he he exercised the curse. I think Cleveland's going to win every sporting title from now till like, forever. Starting with the two wide receivers from Cleveland. So, in honor of our discussion of blockbuster movies two weeks ago, we have our first ever podcast sequel, where we are doing a nah, sequel. Nah. This is more like this is more like when you go see uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and you're like, "Man, I can't wait for this to be over," and then you realize halfway through that it's actually a two-part movie. That's what this is. Yeah, this is. We a two we part took the podcast. we took the preview pod and we broke it up into two halves so we can make more uh, more at the box office. I'm actually I'm very excited about this one because, quite frankly, I think the AFC is kind of garbage. And the NFC is filled with some fun teams that might actually be fun to talk about, so... And the NFC East. Yeah, well, you can't have everything you want. Just in case you didn't listen to our AFC preview, uh, the format we're going to do here is we're going to go through each division, north, south, east, west, and we're going to each make our picks for that division and spend a few minutes talking about why. We'll probably touch a little bit on every single team, although if, for example, your team is uh, the 49ers, we probably don't have that much to say about you. Yeah. But we'll yeah. we'll try and pay a certain degree of attention to everybody. Yeah, but obviously we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on some teams than others, so just as a heads up. So you want to just jump right in? Yeah, let's do, uh, let's start with the NFC North, home of the... Uh, home of the player that Robert Mays refers to not so fondly as the dragon, Aaron yes. Rodgers. So, to those of you playing at home, this is the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, the Green Bay Packers, and the Minnesota Vikings. Yes, indeed. I have a feeling we're going to have the same pick here, but just for fun, who have you got? Um, Maybe we my won't have the same pick. This is my heart is pause. telling me to pick one thing, and my head is telling me to pick the other. Oh, this never goes well. No, it's not going to go well. Um, screw it, man. I'm going with the Vikes. I think the ghost of Bridgie B is going to bless this team, and they're going to beat a not-as-good Green, uh, Green Bay team. I think Green Bay regresses again this year. Basically, I don't really like anybody from this division. Okay, hang on, hang on. Uh-huh. Can you give me one good reason why Green Bay is is going to be the same as or worse than they were last year? 
Um, I just think that we just sort of pencil that offense in to get better, and I feel like that offense has been about to get ba- get better for the past, I don't know, year and a half. And I, I just don't know what about that defense scares you. Wait, wait, what, what do you mean it was supposed to get better for a year and a half? Are you talking about how they had a bad year last year? Yeah, and, and how they kind of, like sputtered at points the year before like i just i feel like this team is we always think this team is better than they actually are how did they sputter the year before i'm co- i'm completely at a loss here hold on let me let me look this up this is I this might is be completely you're, you're about up. to you're about to look at their schedule and you're going to realize you've made a horrible mistake no i don't know i i just don't i don't know i don't i don't like the packers this year i i, I look at their roster and i just don't I don't feel great about them. Okay. Why why should then why do you believe in Minnesota even despite what just happened to Teddy Bridgewater and the fact that they've lost their quarterback basically on the eve of the regular season? Because I think their offensive line improves. I think Adrian Peterson is certainly a top three back. He could play like the very best because he seems to get better when they need him to. Um, I think they'll be able to simplify the offense enough that Sam Bradford will be able to not screw things up. And I think that defense is going to be terrifying. Sam Bradford, it's worth reminding you has never, has never made the playoffs, Mm -hmm. uh, has been a mediocre quarterback at every single stop. Uh, He doesn't need to be any, he doesn't need to be any better than like, not terrible he has, on that team. He has suffered. What makes you think he won't be terrible? Okay, listen. There is there is zero precedent or track record of a quarterback stepping onto a new team, either just before or during a season, and performing well. There's so much to learn. There's there's playbooks to learn. There's audibles to learn. There's chemistry with receivers to establish. There's even things as simple as as getting comfortable handing off to a new running back. This is li- there's a reason that training camp is is six weeks long. There's a mm-hmm. lot that teams need to iron out, and Sam Bradford is coming into an entirely new situation. And this this is not a dude who's good at adapting to things on the fly because. He hasn't done well in situations where he has continuity with his guys. I don't I don't understand. I I find it impossible to believe that he's going to excel in say in Minnesota. I think there's a better chance that he's terrible than that he's even close to average. I don't I don't think he's going to excel. I don't think he needs to excel. I think basically his job is make teams scared enough of the passing game and read like literally like entertain a pass as a possibility it doesn't have to be anything more than that enough so that adrian peterson can continue to run without having 12 guys in the box waiting for him and so i think when you combine that with a great defense in a pretty weak division i'd say overall i think there's a chance that minnesota you know wins this division at 10 and 6 or 11 or or 11 and 5 and i think they can do that with the defense they're putting together with the skill position players they're bringing they they have i mean kyle rudolph is an underrated tight end and i think they just they have enough pieces where in in a a year where i think green bay is going to be down again uh i think they can they can do something 
and also just for the sake of doing something like i don't know i, I didn't want to pick green bay <laughs> part of it's as simple as that I, you know minnesota is the best option if you don't necessarily think very highly of green bay but let's what why i assume then you're gonna pick green bay yeah i i i don't understand how you can pick anyone else okay my case for green bay is as follows one i think losing jordy nelson last year really hurt them because it forced everyone on their their depth chart receiver wise to be up a slot higher than they should be i think randall cobb is really good but that guy is not a number one receiver so we were in a situation. They also had several offensive linemen get hurt last year. So there were this repeatedly a situation where Aaron Rodgers had receivers who could not get open and a, an offensive line that couldn't give him enough time in the pocket for those guys to get open downfield. That's a lethal combination for any quarterback. I don't care how good he was. And it's a testament to Rodgers' ability that he was able to do what he did. So... I think having Nelson back, especially because, as we discussed in our AFC podcast, a torn ACL is not as damaging to a player long-term as it used to be. And the fact that Jordy did in August and has had a full year to recover, I think, is encouraging. Especially because a lot of... He's not someone who relies on really shifty, explosive cuts so much as he's so great vertically. So mm-hmm. I, I think yeah, having him back, true. I don't think he's going to be a 1,500, 1,600-yard receiver again uh, just because I think he's gonna, there's going to be a tiny bit of attrition because of injury. But if he, if he can get to 1,100, 1,200 yards and he's occupying the opponent's best cornerback, that's going to make everything else easier. Uh, I really like – I actually really like Jared Cook for this team. I think Aaron Rodgers has a habit of – getting a lot out of these types of big physical tight ends like Jermichael Finley was a good example who it turned out was not a particularly good football player but when he was but when he was healthy and all he had to do was just jump over guys and run past guys Rodgers did a good job of getting him the ball and I think that he's going to do that for Jared Cook uh defensively I actually like this defense a pretty good deal now, I, they're not as good as Minnesota. I would never pretend that. Mm-hmm. But they are surprisingly young. So they have guys like Mike Daniels, uh, their defensive end. They have mm-hmm. – I really like Casey Hayward and um, HaHa Clinton-Dix in the secondary. I think those guys will only get better, and that will only help. And I think – uh, I think moving Clay Matthews back from inside linebacker to outside linebacker because they have a little more talent on the inside now is going to do good things for their pass rush. So I yeah, okay. I think the Packers are going to get better this year. I think they're going to be closer to the 12-4 and 4 team that they were in uh, 2014. And I think Rodgers, for all of the panic, his late season kind of swoon induced – that guy's still got his A game. He showed it against Arizona when he nearly beat the Cardinals by himself with a just completely shattered receiving core. And I can't in good conscience pick a team led by Sam Bradford over a team led by Aaron Rodgers. The The chasm between the two teams, the rest of the roster-wise, is not big enough. Peterson is a lot better than Lacey, but Green Bay's receivers are better. I think that their defense while not as good as Minnesota's is average, if not better than that. And I find it hard to believe that 
Green Bay's offense is going to be worse or even at the same level they were last year with Nelson back. He, he's a really good player, and even if he's only 85 to 90% of his peak, he's going to make a big difference. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I definitely, like I said, you know, this is more, uh, I just don't, I don't have a ton of faith in this team. I know what you mean. Uh, I'm, the offense probably will get better. I do think Aaron Rodgers is still probably the best or second best quarterback in football, depending on how you feel about Tom Brady and where he's going to be. Tom uh, Brady. Year. But I don't know. Yeah, and you're right. Looking at the schedule, it's hard to find it's hard to find six losses. Yeah, and he's also not Sam Bradford. Yeah. Sam Bradford yeah. is like we're talking about the best quarterback in the league versus like the 28th best quarterback in the league. Yeah, that's true. Uh I I just don't know. I I like I like the rest of Minnesota's roster so much more than I like Green Bay's that I just you know, I'll feel really dumb when they're eight and eight, and and the Packers are working on their undefeated season. But I, you know, I just figured, you know, I add a little drama to the podcast. Great, great. Have fun taking Sam Bradford's Conestoga wagon across the prairie <laughs> to Oregon. I'll I will. I'll be with, next to Aaron Rodgers in his Ferrari. Another I, thing, I will. I, I love Conestoga wagon. Another thing, we're gonna have Aaron Rodgers in fu mode this year, even more so than usual. Because he's coming off of an offseason where his kid brother, who's much less talented than him, was junking him on TV. And, and his, entire, his entire family. And his entire family tried to pull character assassination on him. That yeah. dude that dude thrives on being pissed off, and I think that he's going to bring it. It's true. That's I love Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a great player. I, I He seems like a good guy. Yeah. I really don't like him from a makeup perspective. I mean, obviously, he doesn't... He. Uh, it's it's hard to argue against what he's done, but man, that dude needs to chill out every once in a while. <laughs> oh, and another good. It thing. It seems like everybody's rushing to try and offend him, and you know everything is like a slight against him. And and I don't know. I just love love the guy. Love the way he plays. Uh, he rubs me the wrong way sometimes uh, in terms of how he kind of conducts himself and how he sort of moves through the world, as it were. Another piece that's that could end up being crucial. Minnesota mm-hmm. to win this division is going to have to get at least one from Green Bay. And they play they host Green Bay in week 2 on Sunday night football. Now, I challenge you right now to say to me with a straight face cuz we're looking at each other on a Skype call right now <laughs> we are. Yeah. that Sam Bradford can beat Aaron Rodgers in a primetime game. 20 days after getting traded to the Vikings. No, he can't. He can't. No. Okay. And, you know, admittedly, if this were last season, I I think that um, they play Christmas Eve day. And I think actually if that had been outside, I think that's one Minnesota could steal uh, because Green Bay is such a passing attack based team. uh, And it got so cold in, in December in Minnesota. But I think in the dome, uh, you have to be a little concerned about uh, about what Aaron Rodgers can do. So yeah, you know, like I said, I'll probably look like an idiot in like six weeks when when the Vikings are zero and six. But uh, I don't know. I like them this year, and I think most importantly, I think they're not a team that tends to make kind of rash decisions. And the fact that they made this trade, uh, Robert Mays wrote a great piece about this, indicates that. 
they believe in what they have and i'm more inclined to to be inspired by that than if say like maybe the browns front office were to say man we really we're just like a quarterback away that's that's great i hope they're very happy with themselves Uh, again you know i don't think sam bradford was the guy you almost want to roll the dice with sean hill but i think they understand how much talent they have on this team and i uh, happen to share that opinion and so i'm rolling the dice let's do this (sighs) we uh we really started this one off with a doozy uh (laughs) i i guess there there's not a ton to say about the other teams in this division other than that i think the lions are kind of worth watching uh purely because i like i kind of like the marvin jones signing for him for them i think they overpaid him but i think he's kind of the type of intermediate second level uh downfield receiver that i think someone like stafford could do well with but at the same time they also lost calvin johnson and that's gonna hurt a lot yeah yeah actually what what am i talking about detroit detroit's probably eight and eight at best I think they could be nine and seven. I think they're gonna. They're definitely in the midst of. I, I guess you would call this is a Pittsburgh term, a sort of reloading year. Um, I think they have a lot of interesting players, and I think they're pretty well set up for the future. But they're missing just you know two or three guys, like maybe, maybe one more receiver, maybe a more reliable uh, running back. Maybe than maybe Abdullah. a better quarterback. Maybe a less Matt Staffordy quarterback. <laughs> And and you know certainly a couple pieces maybe on, maybe uh, a living coach side. that yeah, coach is true. Jim Caldwell is terrible yeah but remember you just went to the mat for Mike McCarthy's team so oh oh I Mike McCarthy versus Mike Zimmer scares me as a coaching matchup I yeah, think Zimmer's I'm just a great saying, coach I would I would watch with the uh, stone throwing in your glass Mike McCarthy mansion I would I feel better about I feel. Let's just say that if I would say Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy combined are like an eight because Rodgers is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Stafford and Caldwell are like a four. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think Stafford is great by any stretch of the imagination, but I think when you put him in the right situation and it seems like that offense sort of started to find that right situation toward the end of last season. I think he can be a very good quarterback, and I think they've got enough interesting weapons. I think Golden Tate's going to regress, obviously, but he is still a very good wide receiver. Um, Marvin Jones was uh, the hidden gem of Cincinnati's offense last uh, last year, and so I don't know. They're not they're not going to challenge for the division. They're not going to challenge for a wild card. But I think they are, you know, maybe two years of solid roster moves away from being, you know, the kind of team that they were. I don't know, two or three years ago. And uh, with the Bears, I just what do, you, what do you... I don't even know what to say about the Bears. <laughs> I, I have something to say. My two favorite things about the Bears last year were Matt Forte and Adam Gase, and they're both gone. Yeah, that's... That's I mean, it. That's, that's they're all really going to say. Feel, they're really going to feel the loss of Adam Gase. I, I mean, you hate to... You hate to see that because he put together a great offense uh, out of, you know, an island of misfit toys. But... um. I think they're really going to feel that loss. I think Jake Cutler is probably going to regress. They have some interesting weapons. Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, who um, was just like a bust waiting to happen until he wasn't. And uh, Kevin White, who they drafted last year. 
who is but, who is a bust waiting to happen. Yeah, I've uh, heard bad things about him. Jer- Jerry camp, is still but, uh, <laughs> Jerry is still very much out on that guy. Throw throw in the fact that Alsha and Jeffrey and Jay Cutler both kind of have a tendency to get hurt. Not yeah. huge injuries, but little things here or there here and there that keep them out for a few games a year. Yeah, and yeah. That that is concerning to me. So I uh, and Chicago, you know the defense is going to improve. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that Jeremy Langford had some moments last year. Certainly on balance, he wasn't great, but I think you know they 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 can do some stuff. Uh, again, I think they're probably seven and nine somewhere around there, maybe six and ten. They're kind of trying to find their way right now, and it's really not worth talking about them too much. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is probably the biggest disagreement we've had in all our divisions you say minnesota i say green bay yeah and we'll see how and the chips fall. i would like to point out yeah that i think the one-on-one official pick is green bay i'm willing to concede that my minnesota pick is a little bit out there <laughs> i will say uh is mike bit. zimmer is mike zimmer on an island in this division in terms of like good coaches because the other coaches in this division are jim caldwell mike mccarthy and john fox I that that's actually an interesting question that I'll try and think of in the back of my head if yeah. any if any coach in any other division is so clearly superior to his fellow coaches and I I, I don't think so yeah I don't like I don't I think, think if I think you put close, those three guys closest, together you get somebody as good as Mike Zimmer I think the closest thing is probably I think the closest you get is probably John Harbaugh versus the guys in the AFC North. Man, Hugh Jackson does not appreciate your opinions. Well, he, Hugh Jackson, I just need to see it first. Yeah, that's true. That's he, true. He's that's a he's a he's a great blank, offense. He's a blank line for me right now. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, I think we can we've uh, we can move on to the NFC South. Let's yeah, let's move on to the South. Oh, the NFC. It's weird because I would say like. I agree with you. Actually, I think the NFC has more talent than the AFC. But, like, man, the NFC South and the the NFC East are really terrible divisions. Obviously, I, the defending AF- NFC champions notwithstanding. I, I do not agree with you. Let's let's get into this. Who's who's your pick for the NFC South? Man, jeez, we're just it's just button heads all over the place. Oh, don't don't worry. I'm gonna make my case. Uh, yeah, so NFC South, obviously going with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, as much as I I feel like we saw the revolving door from the NFC South um, for the longest time, it seemed everybody won the division a different year. I think Carolina's finally reached some level of, of dominance in this division, partly because they're the only ones who aren't terrible, <laughs> except maybe Tampa Bay. But um, Tampa Bay could be interesting. But yeah, so Carolina, I think they're going to win it. I don't obviously they're not going to be as good as they were last year, but I think they're still clearly the best team in this division. Yeah, yeah, Carolina, I think 11 wins wins this division without a doubt and actually 10 might be able to do it. Yeah, I think and 10 so, might do it. Yeah, so just the idea that Carolina would go from 15 and 1 to like 9 and 7 seems unfathomable to me, especially given that other than Josh Norman they didn't really lose anybody talent, any talent. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of the ball, I don't want to say that Kelvin Benjamin is a, even a top 20 guy right off the bat, 
especially after getting injured. But he was impressive as a rookie. He's a really interesting jump ball receiver, which is a good fit with Cam, I think. And having an offense with Kelvin Benjamin is certainly better than having one without him. So I, I think that he oh, – okay. I think their offense isn't going to be as good as it was last year just purely because they were a blowtorch last year. But I think that having a good receiver added into the mix is going to offset some of the regression a bit on that front. And, and then defensively, I mean, they don't have Norman, but – Given that last year was really Norman's only notable season after several years in the league, I'm not sure how crucial he was to everything as much as he might have been a little bit propped up by the rest of the guys. When you have guys like Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley and Shaq, uh, Shaq Thompson in the, uh, at linebacker, they're so rangy and so dangerous covering the middle of the field that it actually kind of makes the secondary's lives easier. So usually it's the other way around where the secondary makes things easier for the linebackers to cover. But those guys are so good. And Carolina's defensive coaching staff is so good at using their range in a creative way that I, I have faith in them if they feel like they can survive without him. Yeah, I, I like this team, obviously. Um like I said, I picked them to win it. The one concern I have, and literally I mean the one concern, is that you look at that division and the one thing that every single team on uh, on uh in that group does is throw the ball well to the outside. You know, you look at a- Atlanta, who doesn't do a lot well, I don't think, but what they do well is Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. Or even, like, New Orleans is probably a better example. Um, New Orleans has some weapons that they can they can move the ball down the field through the air. And I look at that, and so for Carolina, they're playing six games against three teams who are a terrible matchup for them defensively. And so it puts them in a situation where if that defense or if that offense regresses too much, you know, all of a sudden – they just, you know, Cam Newton maybe comes back down to earth even a tiny bit, or the the running game isn't as strong and they can't score points the way they did last year. Um, again, not saying it's going to happen, but it's just this is the worst possible place for them to do it because I think they're going to be in a situation where I could see them needing 30 points to win every single one of their divisional games. And that could be a real problem because 30, uh, 30 points is a really big ask from uh, an offense that kind of just materialized out of thin air last year yeah yeah in a vacuum it is but when you think about the fact that those teams have pretty shaky defenses that kind of offsets it like the these these games are going to be shootouts they they won a shootout in particular they won two relatively high scoring games against new orleans but but again i Mm -hmm. i'm not super concerned about the whole teams throwing to the outside on them in part because of what I talked about with their linebackers being so strong in coverage so if if they're allowed to depend on guys like Davis and Keekley defending the upper middle of the field that affords mm-hmm. them the opportunity to shade their safeties over the top to protect their cornerbacks so that's that's an example like the geometry of this defense yeah. makes a lot of sense but would you like to tell me who those safeties are I actually don't know. Yeah. 
uh, I'm not, again, still think this is going to be a great team, uh, but I will say I don't know who their safeties are. So shading bad people, and generally if you don't know who a guy is in, in the NFL, it means they're probably young or not very good. <laughs> it looks like just looking at the players they have on the roster, first of all, they're carrying four safeties total. Um, but it looks like their uh, safeties will have five years of NFL experience between them. And their cornerbacks are going to be similarly young. They have exactly one uh, cornerback with uh, more than four years of experience. Yeah. So this team is going to get... The problem I see is, I agree with you, I think from a from an X's and O's perspective, I can see this working out. I can see them sort of not needing the safeties over the middle to cover the seam or to uh, help out in run coverage because that front seven is so scary. But again, I think the problem is, I don't know if I want to rely on a bunch of rookie, unproven secondary players against a division whose one great strength is on the outsides. Uh, and again, I, I agree with you. I think they probably sit somewhere around 11, 12 wins. But if something can go wrong, they're they're in sort of a toxic situation in terms of the construction of their team. Like if you put this team in the AFC North, I wouldn't be concerned terribly. Uh, or like the, the NFC North, you know, I, I probably would would feel better about it. But it's just... As bad as the NFC South is, they are good in the one area where Carolina is really, really weak this year. And and that's a point that I think teams who are kind of penciling them in to be, I don't know, putting the hurt on this division, I think should probably take a look at that and maybe think about pumping the brakes a tiny bit. So yeah, and actually this kind of ties into what I wanted to talk about and an area where I think that we disagree. I feel pretty good about the Falcons this year. And part of the reason why is they signed, they boosted their offensive line a little bit. They signed Alex Mack, who was a three-time Pro Bowler in Cleveland, which you know a guy is good if he's a consistent Pro Bowler with the Browns, because that team is like that team's not playing in prime time. So I think I think having a center is really having a really good center can be extremely valuable for a line. Uh, it can help make things look better. And given that that was such a weak spot for long stretches of the season last year, I think adding someone that good in the middle, and someone who's succeeded, uh, and someone who's succeeded in multiple different types of offenses is a really big plus. You know, I I don't think Sanu is I don't think Mohamed Sanu is great, but I do think he's better than Roddy White, who's had a great career but just was playing on two just broken down legs last year and you know part of the problem last year was that matt ryan turned it over 21 times and that seems like an aberration in his career to me i wouldn't expect him to throw 16 interceptions again this year it just it it's not it it doesn't fit the trajectory of his career and i think he's too young to suddenly fall off the table they have some blue chippers I really like. I like Freeman. I don't think that he's going to be like a twelve to fourteen hundred yard rusher, but in terms of a guy who can do work as a runner and also he makes some tough catches out of the backfield, which I think is important. And uh, I mean Julio Jones really needs no introduction. 
He's he's one of the very best receivers in the league. I like uh, I like Vic Beasley, the who was their first round pick last year. So he was a rookie last year, and he showed a lot of promising signs. I like Derek Shelby, who they signed from Miami, and I think that he's going to shore up their defensive line even more. And when you throw in the fact that Dan Quinn, I think he's a good coach. He did really good work for Seattle's defense. And, yeah, I, I just I think that they kind of threw people off the scent last year with their 6-1 and one start. They made people think that they were probably better than they actually were. And it disguised what last year really was, which was a season with an entirely new coaching staff and two new coordinators and they were still kind of trying to build things that suited their personnel. I think that's going to be better this year, and I think that that team could get 10 wins. Wow. 10 wins. I, I don't I mean, I don't know where those 10 wins are coming from. Uh, I look at that team, and my, my biggest concern with them is their pass rush. And now, yeah, if Vic Beasley, I don't know, takes a step forward this year, uh, then that defense could be interesting. But I'd, I'd just like to take a moment and appreciate that uh, they were minus 13 in sack differential last year, and they actually were able to amass exactly one and a half more sacks than J.J. Watt did by himself. And the problem with that is I don't exactly see where those sacks are coming from unless Vic Beasley becomes Khalil Mack. You know, he reaches into... 15 14 sacks next year and i just don't think a 10 sack jump for him is something that we can expect to happen and certainly not in his second year so i don't know i just i agree with you vic beasley is interesting i i don't know if i'd say that he's a blue chipper at this point i I think i need another couple of years to find out exactly what i have with him after that i mean you look obviously at um uh they have uh a great cornerback but um, whose name is escaping me right now. But other than that, I De- mean, Desmond, Trufant. Desmond Trufant is his name. Really yeah. good. He's great. Really good cornerback. But past that, I mean, there is nobody who remotely scares me. And maybe the offense will get better. Uh, I, I think Matt Ryan is a better quarterback than he played last year. I, I don't think he's going to throw 16 interceptions uh, and fumble it five times or however many. But I think this team caps at nine wins. I think I think a very successful season is nine wins. Hmm. I just don't think they're talented enough. I, I think they... Mohamed Sanu, I think, is a great decoy player. I think he's a good third wide receiver, but he's slotting in right now at number two, and I just don't know if he's got the size to fill that role. Yeah, I don't know. I clearly like this team a lot less than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know... It's I understand that, but um, I mean maybe I, I mean maybe if Sam about. Bradford was their quarterback, yeah, you know, you you uh, would feel if a Sam bit Bradford stronger. were their quarterback, they'd have like twelve wins, yeah, uh, definitely. A team who I'm kind of intrigued by, and again, I don't think they're, I don't think they might get to five hundred this year, but I think they are on the upswing. Is Tampa Bay? Uh, I think you look at uh, Jameis Winston, and that is a team unlike in Tennessee who understands what they have in their quarterback and they are doing their best to put uh, him in a situation where he can succeed and I think that that offense has potential to be really really good I think Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson are one of the better pairs of wide receivers in the league 
I think Austin's fair and Jenkins when he stayed healthy has showed a lot of promise and I think Charles Sims is a great change of pace back and Doug Martin seems to have at least somewhat put it back together now you never know that he could that could fall back apart quickly but I think this team has a lot of really interesting pieces and in a bad division where that offense is going to be allowed to get confident I, I think they're very they're a very intriguing kind of outside pick to do something uh you know probably again their ceiling is probably nine wins I'd probably say they're more likely around eight or seven but I don't know what you think about them but I think they're kind of interesting yeah. If yeah, I, I like they were another team I wanted to talk about in terms of the talent in this division. I think that there's a scenario where Jameis Winston makes a really big improvement this year uh, as usually as most high level quarterbacks make in their second year. And if that happens, I think that this offense could do some real damage. Like like I said, I love the thought of him because he likes to throw downfield and he likes to throw those straight line uh, passes over guys. I love the thought of him throwing to so many tall receivers. I like I like yeah. the thought of Charles Sims out of the backfield. I I mean I don't know what to think about Doug Martin except the one thing I'll say about him is that I'm hesitant to blame him for his couple of down years because that Tampa team was such a mess in all of those years. I mean yeah. his quarterbacks were yeah. Josh McCown and Mike Glennon. So I, I find it kind of hard to fault him. His coach was Greg Schiano. Like, remember Greg Schiano? That was weird. Oh, man. Do I remember Greg yeah. Schiano? So uh, I, I like their coach. Like, I, I, lear- I like Dirk Cotter. He did a really good job helping Matt Ryan along. And, yeah, I, I think that there's a scenario where the offense could do some really good things and they could play in some shootouts with teams. I don't think they're quite ready to take the next step because I need to see more from them defensively, and obviously Jameis has to deliver. But they're definitely intriguing, mm-hmm. and I think they're worth watching out for. What I will say is I think they're going to beat Carolina at least once this year. I'm sorry, once. They are not going to yeah, beat them. Yeah, I, I think they'll I beat think, them. I think they're going to beat them once yeah, this year. Yeah, I, I think they'll beat them once. I'm willing to I'm willing to take that prediction with you. Beyond that, their schedule is kind of rough. They're they're unlucky in the sense that they get Dallas late in the year when it's possible that Romo uh, has come back. And so, you know, you kind of want to catch Dallas early. Obviously, Seattle is scary at all times. But, like, you know, everybody's playing the NFC West in that division. Uh, it's, it's not an easy schedule, but it's not a really hard one. So I don't know. I, I think they've got potential. I, I think they could. They're definitely on the way up. I think this is a, a team that's a year or two away. But I think that that considering how uh, much they've been in the doldrums for the past few years, I think you're finally starting to see kind of the Bucks get. I don't know a little little flashes of light. I think this could be a team to watch for the next year. Or two. I don't. I don't think we need, and I don't think we need to talk about the Saints, other than the fact, <laughs> other than maybe just to make fun of them for a moment. Namely, that yeah. they have one of the worst defenses in history, and they did nothing to replace them. They've traded away a lot of their draft picks to like make stupid trades up. They spent all of their money on guys like Jairus Bird, who didn't work out at all. They traded Jimmy Graham for a first rounder, and then promptly wasted it. They <laughs> and they just their their big move of the off season was signing Kobe Fleener who is fine. Like I, 
I have him on one of my fantasy teams. Like I, I kind of like the idea of him playing with Drew Brees, but there's just no scenario where the team, where they looked at that team and they looked at the season they had and they said, you know what? Why don't we just shell out $26 million for Kobe Fleener? He's really the missing piece that's going to put us over the top. Yeah. And I think again, I want to spend as little time as possible on this team as we can, but I think that's what really their problem has been. uh, Certainly over the past few years um, and definitely, Definitely last year they seem to be a team that on one hand is capable of understanding that they are rebuilding you know they do things like trade away Jimmy Graham for a first round pick uh they've been kind of reticent to give Drew Brees that last big yeah you know what I wouldn't give him a big contract either and here's why Mm -hmm. because he threw nine touchdowns on the road last year and last time I checked half the games in a season are on the road you you can't you can't be you can't get paid like 15 to 20 million dollars a year if you can't do more do better than a touchdown a game on the road that's that's ludicrous the thing is like you look at this team and there are so many like on one so yeah on one hand they understand that they're rebuilding on the other hand they bring in Cortland Finnegan they bring in James Laurinaitis they just signed Paul Kruger apparently yeah they're bringing on the kind of guys that you you get as a young team that knows that they are a step or two away from a title and and yet they're bringing these guys on now and i really don't understand so like it's almost like the trump campaign because we're contractually obligated to mention it comes up once a podcast yeah where one half of his campaign is trying to run a certain kind of campaign and the other half is trying to run another one and so what you get is just this horrible mishmash of like things that make no coherent sense and that's exactly what this um what this new orleans team has felt like for the past few years they seem to be half one foot seems to be in rebuilding and another foot seems to be in winning one more for drew Brees. and i think what you get is what we have which is just a roster that doesn't make any sense a whole bunch of cap issues and two or three more years of just being terrible and uh, it's too bad because this team, I mean, not long ago was maybe the most fun team to watch in football. Certainly one of the most fun offenses to yeah, watch. Yeah, and, and it's just the party's over. And I, th- I think yeah. it's hilarious that Kobe Fleener went from one of the most screwed up teams in the league from a front office perspective, the Colts, to the most screwed up team in the league from a front <laughs> yeah. office perspective. Like, that dude yeah. was a free agent, and I'm sure that he could have signed with a lot of functional teams if he wanted to, and I don't know why he picked this dumpster fire. I, I don't I don't think we should talk about this anymore. Yeah, I think it's just too it's upsetting. Just, no, like, this, this is not happening. Yeah. Okay, speaking of disasters, let's go to the NFC East. The best division in football, baby. Who Who's going to win this? Can nobody win it? I feel like we say this every year. Like, for the past three or four years, we've looked at the NFC East and said, is it possible that, like, none, nobody's going to win it? Like, um... I don't know, man. It feels like you could just pull a name out of a hat except for Philadelphia at this point. I like every single team has like good things about them and just horrible like gaping holes. I guess New York, New York just feels like they at least have some semblance of knowing what's going on. I think the one thing I will say with confidence is that I don't think Washington is going to repeat. 
past that, I mean, I guess take your pick between Dallas without Tony Romo and the New York Giants who just paid millions and millions of dollars for Janoris Jenkins. And, and Olivier Vernon. And Olivier Vernon. So I think that Janoris Jenkins and Olivier Vernon are going to be about average players at their respective positions. I think having them is going to make things better in part because it's hard to imagine New York's secondary could get worse. Um, I actually, I actually like, I like Landon Collins. Uh, he's their safety, their second year safety who he's like, he's got a little, he's got a little bit of a cam chancellor thing going on where he's not perfect in coverage, but he's just a bruiser who plays really hard. And I like that. Uh, I, I think that Vernon, I think even if he gets eight or nine sacks instead of like the 20 that they paid him to get. I think he'll still make things better. Uh, I think this team has been one of the most injured teams in the league for like four years running. And it's like basically (laughs) since they won the Super Bowl last. And at a certain point that has to flip. I mean, health to a certain degree is a skill to, I mean, I I hate using the phrase, but it's, it's valid. But at a certain point, I think even if they're middle of the pack in terms of how many people get injured, that's going to be, make a huge difference. And uh, I mean, Odell is Odell Beckham is the best player in this division, so so there's that. Oh yeah, I don't I don't know that it's even close. Yeah, you know honestly. Dallas is at this point. Like, if you look at the rest of the of the division, Dallas is kind of throwing everything behind Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, which doesn't seem like a recipe for success. It, well, it it would be like you look at the there's precedent for this working. You look at a team like Baltimore. I guess in 2008 yeah. when they drafted Flacco That's and Rice true. and put them. But then you, I mean, the reason that worked is because the defense was an incredible yeah. defense. And you look at the Cowboys, and this is a team that is engineered to score more points than their opponent with the knowledge that their defense is probably going to give up 27 a game. <laughs> and I just think that you can't have both. Like, you can have a d- dynamic and interesting pair of rookies in the backfield but you need that uh, safety blanket for them and granted from an offense perspective I, I mean if it is going to work on an offensive based team this is the one that's going to do it they have uh, obviously they probably are light years ahead of everybody else in terms of offensive oh, yeah. line play their offensive line and, is, is amazing but and I mean Des Bryant is probably the most dynamic safety blanket in the NFL and Jason Witten obviously is literally the terminator yeah. <laughs> he's you can give him like 6 yards a catch and he's never going to miss a down yeah and so and- like Dak Prescott is in a situation where he he can succeed he has the pieces that will allow him to succeed but I just don't think that you can put the kind of pressure that they're going to need to on this offense uh, when you have a rookie under yeah, center, but at, yeah, but at the same time, especially a rookie who wasn't expecting to have to yeah. play. I mean, it's not like they even drafted Dak Prescott with the expectation that he was going to start. I mean, this kid didn't know he was going to play until week three. Yeah, exactly. And the, like this offensive line is awesome. I'm sorry, week three of the this preseason. This offensive line obviously. is awesome. But. I think that they're. I mean, I think you you said it best when you said that like the distance between. <laughs> they're beyond. I think awesome. the distance between them and second best is like the difference between the second best team and like the twentieth best team. Like that's how good they are. But at the same time, they couldn't save Brandon Wheaton. And they couldn't save Matt Castle. 
and I don't think they're going to save Dak Prescott either. I don't care. I think Dak Prescott just sued you for uh, for slander. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's not a perfect. I mean, that's those two are kind of the bottom of the barrel of the 21st century quarterback uh, class. Yeah, that's. But the thing. Dak Prescott is a fourth round pick. Like th- this dude isn't Andrew Luck we're talking about. And Des Bryant, I just kind of my thing with feet is that if a guy breaks his foot, especially if he breaks it twice like Bryant did, I need to see like a full season of health from that guy before I'm willing to believe in him. So like so That's like Julio point. Jones has played two seasons without missing a start since breaking his foot. I'm not worried about him anymore. But you I just I I need to see that foot be good. So yeah, a thing to mention about Dak Prescott that I believe Bill Barnwell uh, pointed out because apparently we get all of our like information from either Bill Barnwell's Bill Barnwell podcast or Robert Mays at the uh, the NFL uh, Grantland NFL. I mean, show. they're two of the best um, in the business. So basically, what he said was that you look at somebody like Dak Prescott who gets drafted that late, and obviously you want to point to somebody like Russell Wilson because he was a third rounder, fourth rounder. When he got drafted, he came out of school, he started uh, immediately, and was very successful. But the thing that Barnwell pointed out that I thought was very interesting and I think very important is that Russell Wilson fell because he was short. And nobody had any questions about him from a football perspective. It was all, this kid is going to get killed and he's not going to be able to see over the line. Yeah, Russell Wilson was like, Russell Wilson, I think people forget just how lights out that guy was at Wisconsin. Yeah, and and then you look at somebody like Dak Prescott, and none of those concerns are there. So the reasons why he dropped to the fourth round were not were football related things, and that is a a whole other animal when it comes to projecting NFL success. And so, like, it's tempting to see Dak Prescott as the next Russell Wilson, but I think you need to remember that this guy has a prototypical frame, and so NFL teams who passed on him for the first four, three rounds. Uh, and part of the fourth round did it because they were concerned about him as a player not necessarily as a sort of person who would be able to make it through a a season and so yeah he's been great in the preseason and I don't think he's going to (laughs) be like like you said I don't think he's going to be Brandon Whedon or Matt Castle but I think this team needed a great offense and I think Dak Prescott is not going to be able to give you a great offense yeah, I, I think I think that's absolutely. I think you hit it on the head, and I think that four like four to six games of Dak Prescott at minimum is too many for me. And even though I even yeah. though I think the New York that New York is not especially compelling, I think that that's better than that. Uh, Washington. All I'm gonna say about Washington is that it kind of felt like last year, especially the second half of the season, was kind of the perfect storm. Kirk Cousins was, by the numbers, by passer rating, the best quarterback in the league in the final eight games of the year. But he was he did that against Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, the Giants, the Bears, the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, and Dallas in, uh, in the season finale when Dallas had nothing to play for. That's not a murderer's row of defenses. And the two yeah. really good the two really good teams that they played, Carolina and New York, they got completely throttled. Yeah, it's worth pointing out that I couldn't believe the statistic when I heard it. 
Kirk Cousins leading the uh, Washington professional football team is 0-26 against teams with a winning record. <laughs> and that was including his incredible run at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, no, none of those so, none um, of those teams that he beat made the playoffs yeah. last year. We might need to calm down about uh, the Washington football team. I think that team was fluke city last year. Yeah, the other thing is that uh, if you prorate it, he threw three interceptions in the second half of the season on that you like that run, uh, which if you prorate that to an entire season, that's an interception rate of 1%. As I talked about with Tyrod Taylor, you can expect someone like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to have minuscule interception rates year over year. Until Kirk Cousins has another season or seven to establish himself as being in the same class as those guys, the only thing that's safe to assume uh-huh. is that things can only get worse. So I, I, I'm shorting I'm shorting Washington. I don't I don't believe in them. I don't like their running back, Matt Jones. I don't love their receivers because Deshaun Jackson is not dependable. And uh, and Pierre Garcon is good, but he's a classic number two receiver. I I hate I just hate their coach. I don't I have never ever seen anything he's done or listened to him talk and walked away being like, wow, that guy's really got it together. And and yeah, I just I I don't buy it. I think that they were one of the luckiest playoff teams last year. And now that they're playing a first place schedule, it's not going to work out. And also, you want to talk about aberrations. Uh, something that just sort of I've been working through right now as we've been talking. We we are both obviously natives of the Washington area. So we have seen the uh, professional football team going through a number of uh, general management teams going or general managers going through a lot of front offices going through a lot of really terrible um, salary and free agency decisions. So you can look at the Kirk Cousins tag and say, wow, look, it's a front office that's finally learning to make smart, prudent football decisions. Or you could look at it as, well, wait, if these guys who paid Albert Hainsworth to be terrible tons and tons of money and who just shelled out for uh josh norman after exactly one year of truly incredible cornerback play i i'm more inclined to look at that as saying well if these guys don't like kirk cousins enough to panic and overpay him like they always do then maybe that's a cause for concern in and of itself i (laughs) like even they aren't willing to overpay kirk cousins based on the the half season he had that to me says that like that for me obviously this is purely anecdotal this is not scientific at all um that to me is enough to say that Kirk Cousins is maybe the prime regression candidate for the 2016 football season oh yeah absolutely like for for me it's for me it's him and Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton those are my top three well I believe you said at several times as we've been discussing this that Kirk Cousins half season reminds you most of that one superb Nick Foles that is, season that's exactly what it reminds uh, me of and I would like to point everybody to Nick Foles's, uh season the year following that um, so if you drafted Kirk Cousins in your fantasy draft I'm sorry uh, I would look forward to being near the bottom for the rest yeah, of the year Nick Foles who by the way two years after that magical half season was cut in the first 10 minutes of hard knocks 
Would it be fair to say that uh, we don't like that? I, I don't. I don't like that. I don't. I don't like that one. I bit. don't have anything to say about the Eagles other than that. I, I had dinner, or I was at dinner. I was talking to uh, to our dad, and we couldn't. We agreed that Philly had no talented offensive players. <laughs> hey! Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, there is a Vanderbilt alum you know on that what? team Jordan, who is at least a decent second you know wide what? Jordan receiver. Jordan Matthews is like a decent number two wide receiver who's playing number one route wide receiver right now. So I, I'm, I that's, can't that's say a, that's a genuine. I can't concern. say I feel great about it. I though I would just like to I would like to give a round of applause to the Philadelphia Eagles for uh, completely butchering the Sam Bradford signing, just making a horrible decision and somehow magically turning him into a first round draft. Yeah. Pick. Like that alone was a that feat is, of wizardry that really they should win the division for just in and of they itself. are they are so they are so so lucky that they were able to get that that was a great trade I really yeah. I would no like, I mean I mean it's they, like they got a first rounder of course it's gonna be thirty two because Minnesota is gonna win the Super Bowl with Sam Bradford but at least they points for effort yeah for so effort. they that will make them feel a little bit better when they give up a top five pick to Cleveland next year. Which, because uh, they owe them their first for, rounder for Carson for Wentz. Carson, Carson Wentz, Wentz who, who's, uh, has, who is almost definitely going to see his confidence shattered in the horrible season that offense is about yeah, to have. Yeah, Carson Wentz, I think, like, I would pencil in Carson Wentz for, like, a 10 touchdown, like, 22 interception type joint. Yeah. This, this is not going to yeah. go well. So, no. I I feel like you could, I feel like if you, you could take Philly out of the equation... And then just Certainly. like pick out of a hat from the remaining three, because I I think that like I think New York is probably has the best chance, but like they're not so good that I would say it's impossible for Washington to win again. If if Kirk Cousins yeah. is even like ninety percent of the guy he was the second half of last year, but I I guess our consensus pick is the Giants. Yeah, I in the sense that we have to pick one, but yeah. Uh, as uh, Bill Simmons would say, just don't, don't spend, don't. If you want to bet money on football, which is technically an illegal activity, don't spend any money on the NFC East. Just don't do it. Just stay. And by away. the way, because of the large <laughs> media markets at play and the and the broadcast networks uh, East Coast bias, you can look forward to seeing these teams on your TV a whole lot this year. So, oh, it's yes. like I can't. I can't believe that I have to keep watching these garbage Giants Cowboys games. I'm just like, <laughs> like I, yeah. I remember watching. They're always terrible. There's always a bunch of coaching mistakes. Like it's it's always a disaster, and something terrible and traumatic happens to one of those teams in every single game. I've never. I've Although never I will turned... say, you want to tell me how many times the uh, Washington professional football team is playing a division rival in primetime? How many? Just take it. Take a guess. Nope. Zero. No time. Oh, thank goodness. They're they are in prime time twice, playing the Panthers, which I look forward to a blowout on the order of their previous matchup against the Panthers, uh, and the Green Bay Packers, which will likely be a blowout of similar. Proportions. How many How many times is Cam Newton gonna throw at Josh at Josh Norman in that game? So many 15? times. Just so many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. L- yeah, it's worth mentioning there's exactly one primetime um, uh, Monday or Sunday night matchup, it looks like, in the uh, the NFC East this year. 
The Cowboys are playing the Giants on December 11th, Sunday that's night. That's the day after my birthday. I look... And that appears to be it. The day, that's the day after my birthday, and I can't wait to watch it and just like go mm-hmm. through the same motion where I'm watching one of those garbage games. Oh, I'm sorry. For some reason, we're being subjected to uh, Philadelphia at Dallas on uh, Halloween Eve. Oh, man. And that's not even, like, you know how in the second half of the season, like, they can flex those primetime games? Yeah, no. Yeah, we can't even do that. We're stuck they with that. They can't flex that. Yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to see Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz go mano and mano. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be great, folks. Let's Buckle up. Yeah. The NFC East is going to be amazing. Let's, let's move on from what might yeah. be the worst division in the league to what might be the best. And that, and that was, it's, it's very it's very top heavy, but still yeah, it's very top heavy. So, who is your pick from this division? I think it's going to be Seattle. Uh, I don't feel amazing about it, but I think it's going to be Seattle. I think it's going to be Seattle, and I feel amazing about it. Well, you're very bullish on the uh, you're very bullish on the Carson Palmer regression. Let me let me hit you with a stat right here. Okay. Remember when we talked about Pythagorean expectations? Yeah, and how and how, if a team underperforms their projected wins uh, based on their points scored and their points allowed, it means that they're going to bounce back the next year. Only two teams underperformed their projected win total last year more than Seattle did. <laughs> so Seattle was one of the Seattle was one of the most dangerous teams in the league last year. And they pretty dramatically underperformed. We talked about this yesterday uh, when we were recording, before we recorded our AFC podcast. I just think this is the new, I think this is the new Patriots. I think that 10 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to realize that Seattle's just had a stranglehold on this conference for a solid decade. They've been, I mean... I don't I don't pretend to have like a really strong knowledge of DVOA, which is the very often touted football outsider stat, but it basically yeah. is a measure of everything a team does and uh, and just the best overall quality teams. Seattle has been the best team in DVOA for four consecutive years. Yeah, that's right. They've won the DVOA championships for four consecutive years. Yeah. They they have a really they have a really good quarterback. Like Russell Wilson proved last year that he's not just a mobile read option guy. He's good out of the pocket. I think he's always been good out of the pocket and that if you look back at tape even from his rookie season where teams sold out to stop the run and made him beat them from the pocket, he showed that he could do it. And then it's just surreal to me that they can keep running back this defense that has Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Bobby Wagner and Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. This is this is yeah. the this is the fourth year running that they've had those six guys. Half of their defensive starters would be the best defensive player on a bunch of teams. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know how they keep doing it, but they just I think you have a bunch of guys who have, you know, it's sort of like the, it's a different version of like the Spurs. You know, this usually isn't something that you see in football because rosters are so big and it's such a, such a violent game that people tend to try to make as much money as they can because they know that their careers are going to be short. 
but I think to a certain extent you have a team that is more interested in winning than they are in making as much money as possible and so it allows them to stay together uh, and the other thing that I think that they've been able to do which arguably is maybe more important besides obviously have Russell Wilson on a fourth round deal for most of this run which I, I think one of the biggest indicators of success uh, funny enough is have you given your quarterback an enormous contract yet the correlation between having a quarterback with a huge contract and success is not a good one and so it'll be interesting to see now that they've had to pay russell wilson if they can sustain this kind of success uh part of what makes new england work is that new england has never had to pay brady in the same way because again brady is another guy who's more interested in winning than he is in making a ton of money because brady is one of the greatest teammates in the nfl yeah and and i think that's why they've been so successful because they have a top dollar quarterback for less than top dollar so we'll see i think seattle this is a watershed time for them because they have to start kind of paying people like russell wilson that they haven't had to pay before yeah but yeah I, but I think, at, at the same time i think i've been thinking about this a lot Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was talking to to a buddy of mine about the Patriots and how they've been able, like we're both Pats fans, and we were just sitting mm-hmm. around talking about our unprecedented, our team's unprecedented success. And yeah, as as, as we, Patriots fans are want, as to do. Pats fans are want to talk do. about how awesome they are at all. And times. and this, I think Seattle has hit the model of how you build a, a team year over year which is that you figure out who your best guys are, you lock those guys in, and you don't chase top-dollar free agents, you don't give a ton of money in extensions to guys that you can replace. You know, they, they let Brandon Meebane walk to Seattle this year. That's fine, because they still have Thomas and Sherman on long-year deals. They've got Bobby Wagner on a long-term deal. And... As long as they keep either Bennett or Averill, I think they can just keep running this defense back. So basically, the bottom line of this is Seattle and Arizona were basically dead even from a point differential standpoint. Like, their Pythagorean expectation was basically the same. The only difference was Arizona overperformed, Seattle underperformed. And I would rather have the team with Russell Wilson than Carson Palmer, especially because I'm a little worried. I'm worried about Palmer in part because of his injury history, injury history, in part because of his age, and in part because in both playoff games, he completely imploded. Especially against Carolina, but the awesome play Larry Fitzgerald made in overtime overshadowed the fact that Palmer was not very good in that game, even though he was playing a weaker team at home. And then... Uh, I'm worried about Tyron Matthews torn ACL and how that's going to affect them because he is a guy who is really reliant on those types of explosive movements. And I think that a torn ACL could affect him more so than others. Chandler Jones, I feel like could be good, but at the same time, you always have to be wary about people who leave new England and go to other teams, especially defenders because they have such a good, uh, a good habit of getting the best out of guys. Yeah, and the track record of guys who have left um, left New England is not a great one, especially on the defensive side. You know, it tends to – Bill Belichick seems to have an almost preternatural understanding of, of when to let a guy go. And Chandler Jones is probably significantly younger than a lot of the players that they've let go. And so this may be an exception to that, but I do think you have to kind of look at 
you have to take that signing with a grain of salt and say, well, maybe New England knows something that we don't. I think he's going to be good in Arizona. I don't know if he's going to necessarily make their defense a lot better as much as he's just going to fit in as a cog. I think Arizona is going to be about as good as they were last year. I think, but I think Carson Palmer is not going to be an MVP caliber player again. I'm not 100% confident he can stay healthy all year. And I'm a little bit worried about Larry Fitzgerald. Because, you know, he's... Although I guess he's only 32. I thought he was older than that. The only thing that makes me scared about Fitzgerald is receivers. It doesn't go away slowly. They're really good, and then they're not. That's the same problem I have with Palmer. And actually, if Brady had worse injury history, I'd be a little bit more worried about Brady in this regard, too. Um, Once you get into that late or mid to late 30s area, you saw it with Peyton Manning, although, of course, his was kind of accelerated by that neck injury. You kind of have it until you don't. And so with Carson Palmer, who's kind of, I don't know, beaten the odds to a certain extent, I think a lot of people thought his career was over several times and he just sort of keeps coming back uh i think to a certain extent you have to assume that he's going to regress every year and be glad when he doesn't but i I don't necessarily i would rather bet that he's going to take that sort of quarter late quarterback nosedive than i want to bet that he won't at this point in his career and i don't know i mean i guess you look at their receiving core outside of fitzgerald we kind of know who fitzgerald is But past that, I mean, I feel like I've been told to like people like the Brown brothers, John and Jerron Brown, Michael Floyd, a little bit without any sort of real justification about that. And I'm sure they'll be a decent unit, but I don't know if I want to like make a bet on that, especially when you look at a team like like Seattle and they sort of have the opposite problem where all Doug Baldwin has done is overperform expectations and Tyler Lockett has looked really good. And you have a, a, a team that is populated by proven players. Uh, and then you look at you look at Arizona, and it just feels a little bit with Arizona like they're good, but we don't really know why. Um, obviously, besides things like Carson Palmer playing out of his mind. Uh, and when your biggest indicator of your success is that Carson Palmer is going to play really well, at this stage of his career, like you said, with the mental beating he's taken over the past couple years I just don't know if I want to bet on that when I could take Seattle instead yeah and uh one other thing about Arizona that I think is worth noting every single year there is a running back who goes in the first round of 95 percent of fantasy football drafts (sighs) and you can't totally tell why he's there and eventually he becomes a huge disappointment you wouldn't be talking about um, C.J. Anderson last year and David Johnson this year, would you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen to David Johnson, but I'm worried about him. Nationals manager, 70-something-year-old David Johnson? Da- David Johnson, yeah. I, yeah. I would love to see that guy get 300 carries and see how he does before we announce him as this incredible running back. But Mick, they have the ghost of Chris Johnson. Oh, I forgot about the ghost of Chris Johnson. I feel like I feel like last year was a season where everything went right for Arizona. Yeah. Like I, I think and I think we're gonna look back on the last year's Arizona team as like their huge moment and the closest they came to winning the title. Yeah, and they fell short. Yeah, and and 
perhaps that repeats itself least often in the NFL. I, I I think that this probably will be close. Like I don't think Seattle is gonna finish four wins ahead of Arizona. I think it's gonna be a race to the near finish. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm taking the Seahawks and I feel really good about it. I feel slightly less confident, but I, I definitely think that Seattle is the odds on favorite in the in this division. Unless, of course, they sustain a run from the resurgent San Francisco 49ers. All, oh, I, I'm I'm sorry that that w- that'll never happen. <laughs> all I really all I really have to say about the 49ers is that they came within they came within winning a Super Bowl or they came close to winning a Super Bowl three years in a row, including they literally came within a touchdown of winning against Baltimore. If they had beaten Seattle the next year in that sorry receiver crabtree game i think there's they would have crushed denver and somehow their gm forced their incredible coach out of town and presided over just an unbelievable downfall of a seemingly perennial contender and he somehow still has his job that's all i'm gonna say congratulations trent balky like you pushed you pushed one of the best nfl coaches of my lifetime out of town and now your team is terrible and you still have a job you're amazing. I hope that's, to one day have your. Win. I hope to one day have your job security in any field. I don't know that there's much to say about either of these two teams. Well, congratulations to Los Angeles. If we're giving out congratulations, they you guys just inherited maybe the worst team in football. Oh, that that team has that team has two and fourteen written all over it. <laughs> this is really silly, but I knew Jared Goff's career was over when I like accidentally saw a video from Madden on uh, Facebook and I watched him talk. I can't even remember what he was talking about. And I was just like, Oh my God, there's no way that dude's going to be a good quarterback. Right. Or he just exudes like just, you can just tell he's, he's one of those guys who you look at him and you watch him. And even to a certain extent, you watch him play uh, the thing that he's actually being paid to do. Uh, So it's ridiculous to factor that into your opinion, but you just know he's not going to be good. I just know he's not going to be successful. When when I watch Jared Goff talk, I think I'm watching a movie where Ryan Gosling plays a stupid person. This this brings me just like there's there's really nothing to say about this about this team other than I was just hoping there is one thing through. to say. There's one thing to say. What? We knew all these things when they drafted him. It's not like this is a, a surprise. Like I literally can't believe they willingly drafted Jared Goff. I just can't believe they did that. Like. They, they basically tied themselves to a bad quarterback draft when all they had to do was pick, I don't know, pick Jalen Ramsey and then wait for next year. You needed a quarterback. You don't have to have a great quarterback right away. Now they're tied down to at least three years of the failed Jared Goff experiment when literally everybody knew who Jared Goff was. And now granted, the dude hasn't played it down, so we're going to feel really stupid if he's successful, but I just don't think he's going to be. So why would you do this to yourself when all it took, all it would have taken was a little bit of patience? We've reached a point that I think is kind of a crisis in NFL quarterbacking in the sense that if I took every draft from 2009 to 2016 and I made a list of players I'm 100% sure will still be starting will still be starting in the NFL 5 years from now. So this is this is 7 years of draft classes. Mm-hmm. I came up with Cam Newton, 
Andrew Luck, and Russell Wilson. That's it. And the thing is, like, what I think happened to the Rams is there's a certain number of teams that desperately need a quarterback and have no hope of it competing without one at any point. A quarterback's going to go in the top five of every single draft, and sometimes it's a Cam Newton or Andrew Luck year, and sometimes it's a Blake Bortles or Jared Goff year. And I Whoa, just... uh, I, I think there's a step between Blake Bortles and Jared Goff. Like... But I think that says a lot. Blake Bortles is probably not going to be a great quarterback. He's definitely not going to be a uh, a Cam Newton or an Andrew Luck. But he's also not going to be a Jared Goff. Like I think he, Jared he might, Goff and he might Carson be Jay Wentz, Cutler. Blake Bortles might be Jay, uh, Jay yeah, Cutler. Yeah, and if Stafford Jay Cutler's type. your quarterback, like those guys both played for very good teams. If wait, wait no. No, like lest we forget, like Matthew Stafford was thirteen and three at one point. No, uh, he was at least twelve was, and four. He was eleven and five. Okay, fine. Matthew, still, Matthew 11 Stafford and five is a good season. Matthew Stafford has only beaten one above five hundred team on the road in his entire career. I'm just saying, Jay that, like, Cutler. Jay Cutler has made the playoffs once in his twelve year, his eleven year career. If your quarterback is Jay Cutler or Matt Stafford, this, the circumstances where you're making the playoffs is called the perfect storm. I don't think it's perfect. I think it's they exist in a step probably somewhere between Joe Flacco and I, I don't even know if I can think of somebody else. Like, I don't know, Josh McCown or, or like. No, Josh like, McCown is terrible. Like decent Josh McCown. Like Josh Bears McCown Josh has McCown. only been decent once. Yeah, like no, but like what I'm saying, I can't think of any other example. But a tier Andy where Dalton? a quarterback is not gonna well, Andy, Andy Dalton? Dalton might be actually good. We have to wait now. I hate that, but we have to wait. Uh, but yeah, like previous Andy Dalton is a good example. Like Matthew Stafford is gonna win you a couple of games a year. He just will. He's gonna lose you a game or two every year as well. But like he's not inert at the quarterback position like like Andy Dalton used to be. But he's not like a like a Matt Ryan, who's not quite at that top, top tier, but he's going to win you games more often than not. I think the problem is you look at this year, and it's not a Blake Bortles year, where I think Blake Bortles is going to slot right into that area. He's going to win you some games every year. He might lose you a couple games every year. This draft wasn't even that. This is I, I think this draft is a Tim Couch, Ryan Leaf level bad draft. Oh. Like, oh. I would not be surprised if both of these dudes and their performance so far in the preseason, obviously, so you never know, seems to bear that hypothesis out. These dudes might not be in the league in five years. Like, that yeah. is how bad I think these guys it, are. So, so you're, we're saying it could be an E.J. Manuel situation. It could yeah, be an E.J. Manuel, Geno Smith Christian situation. Ponder, like, I, I oh, don't I understand... Why these teams talk oh, themselves it's, into it's like giving Jake Locker. up so much? It's like Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert and Christian Ponder going six picks of each other within six picks of each other. Exactly, and this yeah. happens. And the thing, the reason why I'm so fired up about this is there is so much to like about this Rams team besides the receiving core, which is literally a hazmat situation. If I were them, I would have traded down for someone who desperately needed a quarterback. Yeah, and just ta- trade and down take and, and, take and take a shot Jaylen next year. Randy, and you're going to go Randy. six and ten. You're going to go five and eleven with with uh, Case Keenum. No, the, I think I think this team's going. No matter whether it's Keenum or Goff, 
This team's going four and twelve. No, year. but like before they sort of put this expectation on themselves, which I do think like they were able to kind of fly under the radar as kind of like a fun team that wasn't really good but was gonna win a couple games. Uh, to now like you draft Jared Goff and people are gonna expect you to be good because people are stupid and they think if you draft a quarterback high that automatically means he's gonna be a viable player. And so instead of like not having a quarterback yet having another year to fly under the radar let Aaron Donald eat a few more people and let that defense get even scarier now there's expectations on them and they are handcuffed to a quarterback who I think is going to be bad so they're going to have early picks and they're not going to get to spend it on that one time every four or five years when an actually worthwhile quarterback comes out yeah and the the other low-key the other low-key terrifying thing about uh about drafting a quarterback in, in with a top five pick is you're locked into that guy for three or four years. Exactly. And when that guy is Jared Goff, you are screwed for three to four years. Yeah. Which and I, I don't personally buy into this. I love I love, for example, what Carolina did in two thousand eleven where they spent or where they spent a second round pick on Jimmy Clausen in twenty ten and they tried him at starter that year and they were like, Well, this guy sucks, so even though we spent a valuable asset to get him we're picking Cam Newton, and I don't care. That's yeah. that's the type of thing. Like, I I would like to see, given how analytics and economics oriented the NFL is veering, I would love to see that type of sunk cost mentality thing going in, where you say, okay, we spent a lot for this guy, but he's bad, and we gotta cut bait. I I think we spent enough time on this division. I have two little coach observations that I want to throw out there before we switch, though. First and foremost, I was watching the first episode of Hard Knocks where Jeff Fisher attempted to give a passionate, motivating speech about how he's not going 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight again this year. And I agree with him. He's yeah, going 3-13. and 13. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to do that. <laughs> and my other anecdote is that I think that the coach the I think that the coach who has fallen most precipitously since 2013 is Chip Kelly. I think the coach that has fallen mo- or the team that has fallen most precipitously from 2013 is the Niners. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so beautiful that they're together now. If if I were if I were Jim Harbaugh, I would just send a picture of me giving both middle fingers in the mail to Trent Baalke every two weeks. <laughs> That's what I would do. Because cause in, other, in other news, in other news, Jim Harbaugh in his second year of Mich- as a Michigan coach, his team just won by 60 points in their opener. Two observations. One, I totally think Jim Harbaugh would do that. And two, I think that's a lot of why Jim Harbaugh is no longer coaching in the NFL. But in any event, so that's... The one-on-one podcast consensus pick for the NFC West is the Seattle Seahawks. So we're going to do our wild card teams, we're going to do our two mm-hmm. first-round buys, and we're going to do our our uh, NFC, NFC champion. champion. Yes. So I'm going to start with... I'm going to go with Arizona 5 and Atlanta 6th. Okay. And I, I was tempted to pick Minnesota, and I certainly would have if Bridgewater were still healthy. But until I see Sam Bradford string together like even five games of competent quarterbacking, I can't do it. I I'm I have faith in I have faith in Atlanta improving in the second year of that regime. Who are yours? 
I think mine are probably pretty obvious. Five, I have Arizona. Six, I have Green Bay. Uh, I think yeah, Green Bay okay. is going to fall this year, but I don't think they're going to fall that far. I think this is still a playoff team, um, but I think they're going to have to fight for it. Yeah, okay. I think it speaks more to the relative lack of depth in the NFC. The AFC, everybody's all not great, so it's a much harder fight. I think in the NFC, there are a lot of really bad teams, but the quality of the good teams is so high that really I can only think of six or seven teams that I can envision playing uh, playing playoff football, if only because I think 10 and 6 makes you on the bubble, whereas I think 9 and 7 probably gets you in in the AFC. Okay, so who are your first-round buys? I think first round buys are are Seattle is the one, Carolina is the two. I have Seattle as my one, and Green Bay is my two. Okay, and that's fair. I'm gonna say my NFC champion is Seattle, and my Super Bowl champion is Seattle over New England. The Bring Russell, the, the Russell, factor. the Russell Wilson revenge revenge game. game. Yeah. Yes, revenge of um, the Russell. Yeah, I, I think mine is gonna play out very similarly to that. I think Seattle's gonna go to the Super Bowl. I think you're right. I think they're going to beat New England. I think this is their year. I think they're probably the best team in football right now. I think they're finally going to put it all together on during one season. Um, As opposed to won a Super Bowl. Obviously, yeah, they've was, won a Super Bowl before, but like, and, I, and I they and they made a Super like, Bowl and came within one play of winning it. Yeah, but I think people the prevailing wisdom has been that they've kind of been close the past couple years, and they just haven't quite been there. Um, I think they're going to do it this year. I think they're going to win it. Um, I think it's going to be tough. I think Carolina is going to have a chance to be there. Um, but I think ultimately there's just so much talent on that Seattle team. I think I, I think I, last I year say no. I, I think last year kind of threw everyone off of the scent for Seattle. And I say that for two reasons, which is one, I think if you play that season 100 times, I think 10 wins is the fewest wins that, that they'd get. And their Pythagorean expectation backs that up. And the other thing is that they nearly lost to Minnesota, and they did lose to Carolina, but they were playing both of those games on the road at 1 o'clock on the East Coast, which is about as inhospitable as it gets. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't envy anyone who's in the position who has to face Cam Newton at 10 o'clock their local time in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think I think Carolina I think Carolina punked them in that first half. Seattle, you'll remember, fell behind by thirty one before scoring yeah. twenty four unanswered. I thought I think those teams were dead even last year. And I think that Seattle is going to be better this year. Well, there you have it. The one on one podcast Super Bowl pick. The consensus <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl pick. It's a consensus, yeah. Seattle over over New England. I, I just, look forward to being horribly wrong. I, I don't think I don't think we're gonna be horribly wrong. It does kind of feel like New England and Seattle are pretty obviously the two best teams this year. Yeah, it seems like those two kind of have it figured out, and everybody else has a lot of really big questions. Yeah, and I, granted, I mean New England and Seattle both have questions of their own. I am still a little bit concerned about Seattle's offensive line and New England's ability to kind of surmount that initial loss of four games for their quarterback. But I think their questions are relatively small when you think of a team like like Arizona, who was great last year, which is, is Carson Palmer's body going to break down? Or Carolina, which is, is that secondary going to give up 550 receiving yards per game? Like, 
you their their problem seems significantly smaller New England and Seattle's than any other team in football right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I think Seattle had their kind of season from hell last year, yeah. and they went ten and six. I mean, if and you New think England about to a certain it, extent too. Yeah. Oh no, New England. Don't even yeah. get me started about New England. New England. <laughs> no, I'm serious. New England was the no. Best I know team. what you mean. I know. New England yeah. was the best team last year. Yeah, and they I lost think if New England everybody. had, I think if Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I think if Rob Gronkowski doesn't get injured against Denver in the regular season, I think they get the one seed and they win the Super Bowl. I I will believe that for the rest of my life. I will. I I could. We're not going to do this because we've already taken up a lot of time. I could spend. I could spend forty minutes putting out a very well supported case that Brady should have like eight Super Bowls by now. <laughs> Instead, uh, what we're going to do to sort of close out our unofficial uh, one-on-one podcast NFL season preview, uh, we're going to steal an idea from Bill Barnwell that he stole from the Double Pivot podcast, uh, which is actually a soccer podcast. What they did was they went through and each podcast member drafted half of the EPL, uh, and then Bill Barnwell did it with the NFL. And so we're going to do the same thing. Mick and I are going to go through and we're going to each pick 16 NFL teams and the person with the best record at the end of the season will be the uh, champion of football and the the new presumptive commissioner I can only assume of the NFL okay so well for stars I think either of us could do a better job than Roger I would I would say <laughs> uh, we have we have a running joke in our house we have two cats one named Gracie and one named Oreo we have a running joke that whenever anybody's bad at their job, we say that our cat Gracie could do a better job. And so I would say with confidence that Gracie would be a better NFL uh, commissioner than Roger Goodell. All right, so let's do this. Do you have- she, she certainly wouldn't suspend Tom Brady for the fact that uh, air gets uh, contracts when it gets colder. All right, I, I have a list in front of me, and I'm going to mark which of us picks which team. As do uh, I. And if you and if you pick a team that's already been picked, I'm going to laugh at you. So please be okay. careful. All right. Okay. So are we doing snake draft? Um. No, just alternate. Just yeah. alternate. Yeah. Let's just do All it. All right. With the first pick, you you won the toss, of course. With the first pick, I take Seattle. Uh, I take the Patriots. Duh. Whoa. I take. Man. I take the Packers. Uh, see, you shouldn't have done that. Why? Because there was no way I was going to pick them that high. I'm going to take oh, the Bengals. Oh, you're right. I, I screwed that up. Yeah, I, I didn't, take the it didn't occur to me. You that probably this weren't going to pick the Bengals that high either. Oh, so I, really I don't think I would pick the Bengals at all. Yeah. Just on principle. Let's see. So I just, I just upbraided you for doing the exact same thing that I knew I was doing. I, I'm going to take the Panthers. Okay. I thought about taking the Panthers. Um. <laughs> Gets really hard really quickly. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to take the Chiefs. I forgot about the Chiefs. They're taking the Chiefs. Yeah. I think the Chiefs, you can pencil in for 10 to 12 wins every single year. Let me. And this year is no different. I'm going to take the Texans. Oh, man. I'm so mad at myself right Rocky now. Rocky Mountain High. <laughs> uh, my fantasy quarterback. My dude who I officially throw myself fully behind. Um, I can't believe I let Brock down like that. I'm so disappointed in you myself. Should be as- you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm so disappointed in myself. Um, I'm going to take the cards. I think they're going to be good. I-, I think they're going to be better than 
uh, most of the teams left. Certainly, I I may regret I may regret taking Houston over the Cardinals. I don't uh, know, man. I'm really high on on the Texans. Let me see. I mean, I mean, let's let's go back to the Texans for a, for a second while we while we discuss this and why I'm so mad at myself for not taking them. Yeah, this team is not all that different from the team that won the AFC South easily last year, and their quarterback and their wide receiving core got better. Yeah, they, they and their went, running back they went got ten better. they went ten and six last year. They swapped out Brian they swapped out Brian Hoyer and Alfred Blue for Brock Osweiler and yeah. Lamar Miller. I, I think this team is disappointed by eleven and five, twelve and four. I think this team is shooting for thirteen and three. And I think it could happen in that terrible, terrible division. I'm going to take the Steelers. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering when you were gonna take them. Uh I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to take the Vikes. I knew that was going to happen. I really shouldn't do that because you probably wouldn't have drafted the Vikings at all. <laughs> uh, no, I, I – well, yeah. no, actually. I uh-huh. Not unless they were, like, available later. I'm going to take uh, – I will take the New York Jets. <laughs> the New York football Jets. Yeah. I'm counting I'm gonna on take, Todd uh, Bowles. I'm going to take this year's Texans, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I, I almost took the Broncos. Trevor Simeon makes me just nervous enough. I would like to point out that it took 12 picks for the defending NFL champions to get taken. Yeah, well, that's what happens when uh, it's weird. You start. It's, it's a Simeon. weird year. I'm yeah. gonna take. I'm gonna take Atlanta. Uh, okay. The one thing I will say for Trevor Simeon is that the one proven track record of like relatively poor quarterback success in the NFL comes from things that the Broncos have. Incidentally, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Lions. Um, Whoa. The I think the Lions are going to be decent this year, man. I think they could be they could have nine, ten wins. I, I think see. they're interesting. But uh, but man. my one thing that I will say for the co- the cupboard gets bare really fast. Oh man. We now have we now have all we now have fourteen teams off the board and it's really yeah. starting to get difficult. And it's really yeah, there's I don't wanna say anything. I'm gonna I'm a I'm gonna stick with my division NFC East pick and I'm gonna pick New York. I'm gonna take the one team on this list that we still both like the Oakland Raiders. Oh, you took the Raiders from me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I why didn't I take the Raiders? I didn't want to say anything because I knew if I said there's one team that we both like still left, you were gonna find them. Yesterday, yesterday I but said I the, yesterday I said there. yesterday I said the Raiders could go fourteen and two. Yeah, and, and today now you're I took not the even Giants picking them. Yeah, this is this it? is the word. This is one of the like. That's this a big could, loss. This could That's be a Pickett's charge of NFL roster picking. Of this NFL this team could picking. go really badly for me. Uh, I'm gonna real take rough, bad. I'm going to take Tampa. Oh, I almost thought about taking them here. I'm actually. in case in case the Jameis Winston breakout I'm, happens. I'm riding with my boss. Word up to Kurt Dulles. My boss's team, the Bears. Let's go. <laughs> oh. That's more of a solidarity pick than anything else, but let's do this. Yeah, yeah, it better be. <laughs> uh Oh, you picked the New York Football Giants. You've both New York teams? I do. East Coast bias. Yeah, it's getting East worse. Coast I'm, I'm going to take, take Washington. Ooh. 
I'm, 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 I'm glad take, that you are now I'm, the proud owner of like every team in the NFC East. One of one of those NFC. I'm gonna see East. if I can do that. Actually, I'm gonna see if I'm, I can make you pick all of the NFC East teams. I am not. And I in will, that spirit, I will not take Philly unless I take them last. I will be taking the Buffalo Bills. Once again, sticking to my guns. I'm hedging. I'm gonna hedge against the Andrew Luck comeback season, and I'm gonna take Indy. Ooh, good one, good one. Oh my. Has nobody really nobody taken the Chargers yet? I was I was assuming that you wouldn't want them. I was kind of I'm gonna them. steal the Chargers. I don't think they're gonna be great, but I don't think they're gonna be like Browns, Cowboys, Dolphins, Eagles, Jaguars, Rams, Ravens, Saints, Titans bad. Yeah. Which pour some out for for the Ravens. I'm a, I'm gonna take the Dolphins. <laughs> it's gonna be a rough season. Uh, oh. To know how far Baltimore has fallen in the last year and a half, I am actually considering whether I want to take them or the Jaguars right now. Oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm riding with Joe. <laughs> I was I was actually about to take them. I'm, I'm I taking think, the Raves. I think, I think it's that's gonna be a rave. Move. Yeah. I Maybe am going I can to. Both. I'm gonna take Dallas. Oh, yes, one more. <laughs> I'm gonna take the Jags. I'm gonna do this. You're gonna have all of the NFC East teams, and you're not gonna know how it happens. I'm I'm gonna take Cleveland because ah, they're the, I'm gonna no. take, I'm gonna take Cleveland because they're the only team on the board that I'm not certain is going to be six and ten or worse. <laughs> Them's my boys. I'm gonna take the Titans. Oh no! I just realized that I have the last pick. I'm gonna take New Orleans. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. I'm gonna take New Orleans for the home field advantage alone. Oh no. I would just like to take a moment to point out that the two people that we're currently choosing between drafted quarterbacks with the first and second pick of this draft. And the third and, I think that, and the third is I think the forty nineers. I think that says all that needs to be said. Who are you who are you taking? You've got the Niners, the Eagles, and the Rams. <laughs> I'm gonna take the Rams. Wow. To be fair, we are in the last three teams, so we knew this was going to happen. You you son of a bitch. You did it. Yes! I'm taking the Eagles. Yes! Me and Colin! Me and Colin! Going all the way with the final pick of the 2016 one-on-one podcast random NFL team draft. Steven Sloan selects the San Francisco Colin Kaepernick's. Colin Kaepernick is not going to be on that team. And Mick it's going has to be all four of the worst division in football. <laughs> all, all I'm gonna say is one of those teams. So, one of those I, teams. I've already won. I just like to. I just like to take a moment. I've already won this little all, competition. All I'm gonna of say. Ours. All I'm gonna say is that one of those teams is getting nine wins. Well, this is the thing. There's a certain level of like hearts, uh, kind of situation going on. Yeah. Because all of those teams, you're probably better off because all of those teams are gonna be like eight and eight. Whereas, like, I'm gonna have a bunch of teams who are like four and twelve or like three and thirteen. Looking at you, Jared. By the way, of your sixteen teams, uh-huh. ten of them are from the AFC. So congratulations. Well, see, the thing is, though, they're gonna play each other. Some people have to get wins in that in that league. Okay. Let's go through who my NFC teams are, All right. shall we? All right. Let's Would we like to do this now? Let's let's go through let's go through who our team who are Yeah, drafts let's go through are. for the people. For you, the 49ers, the Bears, Ooh. yep, the Bengals, 
Yep. The Bills. The yep. Broncos. Wow, I really top <laughs> the Cardinals. The Alphabet. The Chargers. The Chiefs. The Jaguars. Whoa. The Lions. I jumped a whole lot of letters there. The Patriots. The Raiders. You have all the AFC West teams. I'm I'm okay the Rams. with that. That's a good division. The Ravens. The AFC West might be the best top to bottom division in the NFL. Yeah. Honestly. The Rams. So I'm the feeling Ravens, good about that. The tight. You keep cutting me off, and so this isn't going to all be one continuous soundbite, and it's going to be confusing. The Vikings. My team is the Buccaneers, the Browns, the, Bucks. the Colts, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. I'm just the, doing this on purpose Eagles, now. The Falcons, the Giants, the Jets, the Packers, the Panthers, the Redskins, the Saints, the Seahawks, the Steelers, and the Texans. Yeah, have fun with that. Enjoy you know that team. You know what? Enjoy We're, making fun of me for picking ten AFC teams and the six good NFC teams. You know what? I picked I picked three of the four best teams in the league. Okay. I picked I picked the Packers, the Panthers, and the Seahawks. I'm Debatable. Fine. I'm fine. Yes and yes. I don't have Andy Dalton. That's true. I do I'm, have I'm not, to reconcile with the fact I'm that I'm not hitching my wagon to Andy Dalton and Brock Osweiler, okay? I'm riding hey. with Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton and whoa, Russell Wilson. Whoa. And I feel I am, great. I am putting jet fuel in the Brock Osweiler jet, man. I have I have ten of six. I'm not hitching my cart to nothing. By far the superior conference. Okay. I, I think that's enough smack talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I guess so this is what we're this is what we've got. The Seahawks the over Patriots. Ventron. Yeah. All right. Uh, well. All right. I I guess th- this is everything. So, uh, thank you for staying with us on this very long football preview. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Once again, you can follow us on Twitter at one on one pod. That's at numeral one on one pod. Uh, you can grab us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or anywhere else that you like to uh, download your podcasts. And uh, we'll we'll just probably check in. We'll we'll do some. We'll do some football recaps at the end of most of our pods uh, for the rest of the season. Because, like we said, we're both self-loathing but unbelievably dedicated football fans. So it will be a topic of conversation. Emphasis uh, on the self-loathing. Yeah, the self-loathing majorly. and the dedicated rise at the same proportion every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that's all we got. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs>